0: Hello everyone! Welcome to Press Pause, where we take a short break from our actual play show and do something new, something different, something spontaneous. This is Let's Chat, an interview show where we bring in creatives in the TTRPG space to talk about what they do and why they do it. So today to chat with me is Brennan Hershock. Brennan was one of our Season 1 cast members for Wild More High, playing the anxiety-riddled Sawyer Hook. So, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: (laughs) Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was a pretty
0: apt description.
1: Yeah, it's extremely accurate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You gotta pull from a sense of what's within you, you know, to play Mm -hmm. some TTRPGs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's definitely, Um, I definitely have some Sawyer in me.
0: Well, I feel like I I haven't really checked in with you a lot since we did our season one wrap up. Um, And so, you know, how you doing?
1: (laughs) I'm great. The yeah. um, past few months have been pretty wild. When was our season wrap up? Was that?
0: It was a few months. It was before you left for the movie you did. Okay. You worked on, um, I don't know, was it in March maybe? Oh Either
1: man, March. yeah. I think it was right before yeah. that. So yeah, it's been like two months since then. Um, I Most of that time I was working on Mythica 6, um, which before you say anything, Kevin Sorbo, not in the movie. All right. <laughs> So we're in the clear of <laughs> uh, Matthew good, good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthew Mercer though.
0: Yeah, yeah. uh um,
1: is in the film. Uh and that's not you maybe, I can say that, I believe. Yeah, you
0: can say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you and you maybe might have
1: maybe might had have, a little chat. Maybe, maybe, maybe in the airport. Yeah. Alright. do you want to start with that story?
0: Well we might as well. Okay, we so <laughs> I okay. wasn't going to, but we are now. No, no,
1: no. I love I think the story is hilarious. Um okay, so <clears throat> Uh, For everyone listening, I was working on Mythica 6, which is a a fantasy franchise um, that's made uh, by independent filmmakers out in Utah. And Matthew Mercer is the main villain named Sorlock uh, in those those films. So I was starting to work on the film. I initially started as a PA for the art department. And then after about five days, um, the art department was like, Hey, uh, they spoke to the producer and they were like, Hey, he's pretty rad. And so the producer called me and was like, Hey, um, do you just want to be like our lead special effects guy? <laughs> and I was like,
0: with what credentials? Yeah. I was like, I can do that.
1: Yeah. That's no problem. Um, and so I met up with this other SFX guy and this is all a long story getting to the Matthew Mercer thing. Um, uh, I was
0: gonna ask all these questions yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. so it's so all
1: good. <laughs> I I uh, so the art department stuff was awesome, but then the like fifth day I'm there or something, I meet up with um our producer as well as this other guy that they had uh, on special effects, but he he got double booked and there's just some conflicting you know time stuff with him, and so he brought a carload of equipment and we were in this random neighborhood in the middle of Utah. I drove like an hour to get there and they're just laying like equipment out on this front lawn. And they're like, this is how you use that. And I was just like, okay, like <laughs> recording, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'll review this later. Yeah. And so sure, sure, 50 minutes and that's all I got. And then they're like, you feel pretty good to do all of the special effects on a feature film. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I feel great about all this. Um. So, yeah, the film is called Mythica Six Stormbound, and I was put in charge of the storm. So that was I was very excited about it.
0: Yeah. How How do you think, looking back on it, do you think it turned out? <laughs> oh no! No, 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 I thought no, This no. was gonna be no, no, like no, no, oh, no, no, actually no.
1: pretty good. I think, no, no, no. I do think it went really well. Like, okay. I think I was on it. I stayed on top of things. I um i do i learned really fast uh (laughs) there's just there were a couple of things outside of my control genuinely that i just felt bad about on certain days because like and i promise we'll get to the matthew mercer story um okay we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff this is good no worries so um so like i was in charge of excuse me uh, in charge of like the haze and, and fog and then um, some different like rain towers and things like that. And for the first couple of days, it went really, really well. We were shooting um, in this exterior slash interior location at this old barn. And um, I had to rig these, these rain sticks, which are basically just PVC pipes with like holes put in them, um, to the top of this like barn that's like falling apart. So that was...
0: Terrifying. Glad you were to go to heights.
1: Yeah. Oh, I am. Oh, unless you are. <laughs> I am.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't no. get me on a ladder if you yeah. paid me. Listen. Couldn't do it.
1: <laughs> the grips and electric department saved my butt. And they, like, saved my butt constantly. They were amazing. They helped me out with the height situation. I did have to go up the ladder a few times and uh, fix a couple of things. But um, yeah, everything went great those days. And then, like, two weeks later, we're out in the mountains. And it's like a the important day to get the storm. Like there's all this crazy stuff going on. I, I don't know how much I can talk about it, but like um, hmm. there's, there's a lot of exterior stuff happening. Um, stunts and all sorts of things. And we needed rain because it was a very nice day. And it just like with the way the wind was, with the way we were shooting in terms of like just how wide of a space we were shooting in, we set up all the rain. And probably wasted like 45 minutes and tried it out didn't work out it just wasn't what they were what you know what they were wanting and um, we tried to do haze and fog and everything but it was so windy that day and it was in the bright daytime that it's just like does it didn't work um, and kudos to the team because they are they were the best and they just rolled with the punches and it was it was very much though like a moment of like Whew, okay, we're not going to have a practical storm here. Let's just let's just analyze that and then we move forward. And, and process our yes. disappointment yeah. and keep going. Yep. <laughs> and they pivoted so well, but it was definitely, you know, when I was on set that day, I was definitely like me, like I couldn't get the storm to work. You know, I really wanted to get the storm to work that day. Yeah. But yeah. Again, the team was fantastic and they just they just rolled with the punches as you got to do. Um, so that leads into the Matthew thing because that was the day where because there was just so much um, stuff happening uh, with the weather and the SFX stuff just wasn't working out they caught me early that day and I was just I stuck around to help out with whatever they needed and I made some friends on the set and earlier uh, in the shoot I had talked about like oh I'm such like a I love Critical Role and gosh it'd be so cool to like just say hi to Matthew Mercer and whatnot, um, and I spoke about that to this this one friend of mine named Sam, and Sam isn't like super into TTRPGs or anything, but was very interested in it and was like, oh, that's really cool. So then, yeah, f- flash forward to this day, I'm just like drooling, like no, I'd have nothing to do watching them do this awesome stunt, like being like, mm, I wish that the haze could be in the background, <laughs> you know. And I get a tap on my shoulder and I get spun around and Sam is like, Brennan, I just heard the producers say that Matthew Mercer is arriving at the airport and Matt doesn't have a ride right now. Go. And I was like, (laughs) "Ugh!" I sprinted to them like across and we're up deep in the mountains. Okay. I sprint to them and I like stop three steps before them. I start walking. I like push my hair back. And I was like, "Mm." Hey, so uh, I hear that um, Matthew Mercer needs a ride. I, I can do that. I can, I can be the one to do that for you guys. I, 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 there's no problem if I do that. And um, they were like, they just stared at me for a second. And I had talked about them that I was like a yeah. fan as well. And they were like, listen, you can do this. I'm, you gotta be cool yeah, about I, it. <laughs> there are two things, okay? One, you gotta get out of here in five minutes and I have a bunch of heavy equipment and we're deep in the mountains, right? So it's minimum, it's like seven minutes just to get to the car. And I was like, five minutes, no problem. Yeah, of course I can get out of here in five minutes because I have to drive then an hour and 10 minutes to get to, to the airport. And, um, and then they go, okay, and also, there's a professional etiquette that, need, and I was like, I'm not going to be weird. I promise. I promise I, you. promise I won't be weird. And they were like, fine, go. If you can get out of your in five. And I, so they gave me some, um, they signed me some, some help that day, some PAs and they were amazing. Um, and they knew how also how much, like, I just love TTRPGs and Matt Mercer and stuff. And so I was like, I was like, hey man, come help me, grab this, grab that. And we lugged and sprinted down these mountains with like like, 30 pound pieces of equipment, 40 pound pieces of equipment. And we got to the car and I was just like, like going 80 round curves in these mountains. Um, and so I get sent the address the airport where I'm meant to pick him up and here's the story this, here's where it gets real good
0: yeah we're not we're not even at we're not even
1: in it yeah yeah so so I'm, I'm oh by the way <laughs> uh, on the car ride I'm calling people like I'm How about to go it? pick up Matthew Mercer
0: <laughs> did you tell me before it happened you told me after
1: I told you after but yeah, yeah, yeah. you and I chatted because at one point they had me <laughs> drawing drawing Matthew Mercer on this, like, old parchment, and I am not an illustrator. And so...
0: Oh, yeah. I saw the, I saw the photo. I was trying I mean. so hard.
1: I was trying so hard. But I told them, I was like, listen, I can try. Like, and they're like, listen, yeah, just, like, give it your best shot. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I gave it my best shot. Um, <laughs> luckily, I have really great friends who are illustrators, and I was like, help me. Please. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I'm just like geeking out such an absolute dork just like calling my mom and being like i'm going to pick up matthew mercer it's so cool um i'm driving I, i'm going over the speed limit quite a bit because i'm like I, i'm almost late because like they really needed it fast uh, me to get there fast so i arrive at where the gps took me and this does not look like where you pick people up on arrivals at an airport it looks like the back of the airport where there are warehouses and I'm just like driving down this empty road with like warehouses and like two minutes late and I pull over on this like tower and a tinted window slowly opens and this older gentleman like peers his head out and it's like it's like I'm being warned by a slasher, like at the beginning of a slasher movie. You know, there's always the gas station clerk yeah. who's like, "Don't go down that road." He he was literally like, "Nobody comes this way," <laughs> and I was like, oh, "Where am I?" And he starts like being like, "You're not where you thought you were," and I was like, "Obviously, yeah. Where do I get to, Matthew Mercer?" And all of a sudden, I hear ring, 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 ring for an unknown number, and I'm like, "Hold on, guy. Give me two seconds." And I pick up the phone. And it's like the most sultry voice ever. And it goes like, hey, Brennan, it's Matthew Mercer. Are you at the airport? And it's, um, it sounds literally like you're listening to like a radio voice. It's so beautiful. And I was like, hi, Matt. And this is the, f- <laughs> this is the first interaction I have with him. I'm like, hi, Matt. Hold on. I got to talk to this older gentleman real quick. And he goes, oh, oh okay. Then I, I mute him. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, guy. I gotta get to the front of the airport. Can you help me out? And you know the the sloth in Utopia? Yeah. That that was this guy. He was like, you're gonna wanna turn around and then you're gonna go eight minutes up this side road. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh, and? And I'm like, just tell me faster, please. I have Matthew Mercer on the line. Um. So... I get the direction. I'm like, thanks. And I start just flooring it and I pick back up the phone and I'm like, hi, Matt. Yeah, bit of an issue. I'm going to be eight minutes late. And Matt is, of course, just like so nice about it. He's like, yeah, of course. He's like, do you know how to get through this labyrinthine airport? And it's my first time in Utah. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you looking at? Like, I know what I'm talking about. He's like, do I go here or do I go here? And I, I, I just took a 50-50 shot and I was like, you go there. And he was like, great, I'll see you in eight minutes. And I was like, wonderful. I get there and and I get into this, this section and I can I can see Matthew. And I start inching forward and then this like security guard comes forward and she's like, hey, what are you doing? It's like, I'm, I'm going to pick up uh, somebody up there. And she was like, oh, uh, this is for Ubers only. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry about that. Like, I didn't know. I didn't see any signs. Like," um... And then she interrupts me and she goes, oh, that's okay. Because I'm not going to let you through. And I was like, mm, okay. And she's like, you're going to pull out that way. And I was like, the person I need to pick up is... And I'm trying to be like docile. Like, uh-huh. they're right there. Like... Could I just go forward like 10 feet? She was like, nope, you're going to go out that way. And you're going to call that person and tell them to walk around the entire airport and come over to this other end. And so my 50-50 shot was wrong. And so I was like, I was like, great. So I pull off. I have to do a whole loop around the airport again. And I call Matt and I'm like, hey, Matt, I'm so sorry. Like, here's the deal. You're going to have to go around here. And he's like, oh, that, that makes so much sense. He's like, I actually have a story to tell you when I uh, when I get there. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I'll be waiting for you. And I'm like, that's interesting. So a couple more minutes go by. He eventually appears on the right side, and I'm waiting for him. I get his bags. I, like, help him in, uh, you know, open the door for him. He, he's been he's very, very nice and understanding about everything. Um, and at this point, I'm like, 18 minutes late and i had to call the producers just i just was like hey i'm just letting you know like here's the situation so <clears throat> matt gets into the car and honestly i'm not geeking out like it's it's it i was i was even keel. super, chill. Yeah, I was super chill super chill I was super <laughs> chill and um i was like so what's the story and he's like i got into a different car i was like what are you talking about you got into a different car <laughs> he goes yeah after you had called me and said you're going to be like eight more minutes it was like two minutes and another car came up and i was like oh that was fast because they waved at me to come in and i got in the car and um started driving away from the airport and uh, and the guy was like so what are you doing in town and matt's like i'm i'm here for the movie." And the guy goes, what movie? And Matt goes, is your name Brennan? The guy goes, is your name Tyler with Lyft? And they're like, Matt's like, no, take me back to the airport. <laughs> and they're Like five minutes of driving away from the airport. So he takes him back to the airport. And I'm like, I am so sorry, Matt. Like, and he was so nice about it. And so a couple of minutes go by of us just driving. And um, I was just listening to Logic. Cause I just, I just listened to logic and I forgot that logic is like kind of ingrained into like critical role yeah. stuff. And so yeah. Matt looks at it and he's like, oh, you're listening to logic that, you know, I, I, he, he's really good. Um, and he says, I can't remember exactly what he said. It's something along the lines of like, yeah, I've worked with him before or something like that. And it was at that moment where I'm like, I check my watch and I'm like, we got an hour and a half drive. Am I really going to act like I don't know critical role? So I, I, there was like a th- yeah, probably but a five what is more pause. awkward? What is yeah, more awkward? Right.
0: Me bringing it up or us sitting here both knowing?
1: Right, exactly. The vibe exactly. The and so he says, "Yeah, I've worked with them before." <clears throat> like four or five seconds go by of silence, and I go, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> I'm like, I'm, a, I'm like, I'm a big Critical Role fan, and he was so he was like, "No way!" And we ended up having a really great conversation and talked about all this nerdy stuff he ended up getting a call as well too i think from one of our producers and they were like you know basically like we're sorry that our guy was late and he like totally vouched for me and stood up for me and was like no like brendan and i are having a great time talking about nerd stuff like it's no big deal and then like he he definitely stuck his neck out for me um and yeah and it was just a really fun drive for like an hour and a half just chatting with matthew mercer he is as nice as you can imagine, like just a really awesome, That's beautiful human hear. being. Yeah, super, super yeah. cool guy. Um, encouraged me in like he he was, and it was never like a one-sided thing. Like he asked about me and like the things I'm pursuing because I'm early in my my film career. And he was very encouraging and and gave me like words of wisdom, things like that. So yeah, it was really, really cool, really cool experience. And then. You know, by the end of that movie, doing Mythica, I had forgotten that that even happened because, like, the experience was just so rich and like so much had had gone down. And um,
0: yeah, I mean, like, it's also if you haven't been on a film set before, it is busy all the time. Mm-hmm. So there's not even a moment necessarily for you to have, like sat down and been like sitting with that moment of yeah, yeah.
1: yeah I mean, <clears throat> I this is no fault to the company or to the um, to the film because we made majority of our days, but this was all my fault. I overworked myself because I I was doing the SFX, but then any chance I could, I would go back to help out art department just because I loved being around the people. Um, yeah. So I was working like 17 hour days on average, just like trying to hop back and forth. Um, but I loved it. I mean, that's that's what I'm- That's great. That's what I'm pursuing, so.
0: Yeah, so you had said that you were really early on in your filmmaking career. What what would you describe yourself as? Like writer, director, DP, a mix of things?
1: So um, I'm a director. The one thing that I've always wanted to do since I was about four was to direct, and especially direct fantasy films um, or fantastical films, whimsical stuff. Um, The experience I had when I was four was uh, Lord of the Rings had just come out, the first one. And maybe this was more closer to when I was five, but um, I think it was 2001. But my dad had, uh, my mom had gone out for with well, like, some friends or something, and she was going to be gone for like, a couple of days. And the DVD for the first Lord of the Rings was out. My dad had got it. And I think he missed it in theater, so he wanted to watch it. And it was just him and I. And so he pulled me down into like our little living room where you know, in our, our little Michigan house. And um, he sat me down and he's like, I'm going to show you a movie. And this was one of the first memories I have of watching a movie. Um, other than like, th- I think there was an Elmo movie I watched before that. Um, and he...
0: We got the two, we yeah, got the two <laughs> yeah. ends of the spectrum. We got no, Elmo we got Lord of the Rings. No, and Elmo <laughs>
1: is my biggest inspiration. Let me yeah, tell you. Yes, so of course. Um, <laughs> and so he sat me down and... And my dad was a movie fanatic too. Like he, the one thing that he always spent money on um, was like a big TV, so that he could watch cool movies um, on this big TV. And so we had this big box of a television, um, probably like five feet by like five feet. It was huge. And I'm sitting in front of the TV, like crisscrossed, watching this film and and it's amazing and it's blowing my mind until we get to the mines of Moria where the cave troll is like smashing down. And I remember like asking my dad to pause it and he pauses it when like Sam is like diving through the cave trolls feet or legs. And um, I was like, I want to do that because my dad had always asked like, what do you think you want to do? And I didn't, you know, I wasn't really into dinosaurs or anything like that or wanted to be fire person or whatever. And um, I was like, I want to do that. And my dad was like, you want to be an actor? I was like, what is that? And he explained it. I was like, I don't think so. And then he's like, you want to be a filmmaker? And I was like, what's that? And he explained it. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Um, Wow. And so the whole, my whole journey so far has been um, towards being a filmmaker and a storyteller. Um, Went to college, went to Savannah College of Art and Design for screenwriting. Initially I was there for animation, um, which is another interesting story of how I, I switched. Um, so basically I, I went to SCAD, uh, for animation cause I, I was in love with animation as well. And I was like, I think that would be a really cool skill to have in order to, um, make some of the things that I was interested in. Plus it's a really good school for animation, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, <laughs> I also wanted to go there to just be a good storyteller and, my goal was to go to this school and graduate and then focus on being a director um learn how to be a good storyteller first then be a director and i had already gone to a different college in chicago and tried out filmmaking um, and i didn't like how the schools were doing filmmaking so i tried something else Um, but i took a dramatic writing class uh, my first quarter at scad and i get into the class and um and I always would like doodle and whatnot on stuff, as as a lot of people with ADHD do, and um, and so the the assignment for that quarter was something that was like write a fifteen or twenty page um, short film for the quarter, which was ten weeks. And I was like, you're gonna I got ten weeks, fifteen page, That's so small. So I wrote a ninety five page feature, and the professor at the end of the quarter was like hey, can you stay after class? And I was like, yeah, sure. And she was like, so I think you should switch your major. I was like, why? She goes, well, you wrote a 95 page script in 10 weeks. That's pretty fast and it was pretty good. And so I think you should pay attention to that. And also I've seen your doodles and they're not very good. (laughs) And I was like, you know, I needed that brutal honesty because I do draw like Napoleon Dynamite. Um, yep (laughs) it's really bad (laughs) it's really not good um so that sent me on that trajectory
0: hey hey is anyone else out there obsessed with dice does anyone out there want to join that i have too many dice sets for my own good club or is this going to be a party of one because i would be the first to tell you that i have a dice problem but i don't necessarily think that's the worst problem to have so if you've got the same mindset queer pg has a fun little offer for you if you head over to FanRollDice.com, you can use our code QueerPG10 at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. They've got gemstone dice, my personal favorite. they've got wooden dice, they've got metal dice, and a whole bunch of other designs and accessories to fit all of your dice gremlin needs. So, if you find your itching for something new to add to your collection, head on over to FanRollDice.com and remember, QueerPG10, that's Q-U-E-E-R-P-G-10 at checkout to get 10% off. Have fun rolling.
1: But where I'm at kind of going forward is, you know, I left school. I kind of took a little hiatus off of school because you, you can really get burnt out in the things you love um, from school or doing it too mm-hmm. much. And um, took a little hiatus, went into the woods off grid uh, for a while and then came back, organized with some some friends and made a short film with a team of like, I think we had like 17 people or something like that. Um, which that short film it's called underneath river Bend, um, should be coming out soon which um, I'd also love to chat about that uh, in yeah a I was bit. gonna ask
0: you I was gonna ask you about that because oh, yeah. I know that's what you had started um, like fundraising for and then hmm. working on while we were starting t- <laughs> <It's all right>. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay uh, While we were starting to do season one um, yeah you were kind of beginning that whole process yeah um, so you wrote, you wrote that one?
1: Yes. Um, well. Yeah, so just as a broad view of it, of what I'm doing, um, I'm 25 right now. My goal is to be in production on my first feature by 30. Um, in the meantime, <clears throat> what I'm working on are shorts and just building my craft and my expertise and understanding more about what it is that I want and can say. For Underneath Riverbend, it started off um, as a short I was going to do in college with um, my roommate, Allie, who is a, at the time she wanted to be a DP and a director of photography, and she was in a class for that. So I wrote like a tonal piece that was really just meant to be, you know, focus more on the cinematography. We geared up to do it, and then I don't know if anybody remembers that just like massive blizzard that hit in like 2020.
0: I was it 2020?
1: Yeah, it was. That was. It was when Texas got hit really hard.
0: Yeah, I think that was like the end. I don't remember which part of the year it was, but it was that winter.
1: Yeah, and and the blizzard made it so unsafe, and it, it hit literally the weekend we were gonna drive up to Michigan from Georgia. So we just deemed it unsafe to do it, and it, it got pushed to the wayside. Come graduation and everything, um, actually, I'll go into kind of the, the, the longer story of it, because um, we got a little bit of time here. Yeah. Um, so that got pushed to the wayside, and my last two years at college, I was working uh, with some of my friends on a video game company called Half Brain Games, and we had been working on a, a video game called The House Where They Dwell. And I was so, at that point, like just burnt out of writing and filmmaking that video games were so enticing to me because the writing is very different. And then I was really interested in voice acting at the time. So I got to voice act one of our lead characters and all this other stuff. I graduate and all of my friends were like getting um, industry jobs in animation or video games. And I was in Dallas, kind of doing some voice acting things, um, but I had I had met someone through SCAD that worked at Gearbox Studios, and I, and I was like, you know, I'd been working on my video game writing, like let me reach out to him. And I had really been lost during those years, um, and I hadn't really figured out why, but I was definitely just like, it was the first time where I was really just like searching, and I and I and you know, you just feel like really lost and really just like weightless. Um, and it, it's scary for sure um, but it's also exciting and so I went out to lunch with this guy from Gearbox and he really gave it to me straight and it was exactly what I needed at that time and I, I sent him a thank you text like, like every four months just for his conversation but I had talked to him because I, they had an opening for like a, a writer, um, video game writer for like quest design or something and I was like Really trying to pitch myself there, and he looked at me and he was like, he started asking me more and more questions, and it eventually got into film, and I had been in pre-production on Underneath Riverbend at that time, and he started asking me about that and, and kept digging and digging, and then he goes, you know, I can I can help you out uh, if you want to work at Gearbox, I can I can put your resume in the right hands. But honestly, I wouldn't hire you because I would consider you a liability right now. And I was like, what are you talking about? And kind of taken aback because I was like, this, yeah. is, this is awesome. He just said exactly what I, I was hoping for, but wait. And then he goes, because what you really want to do is is direct. What you really want to do is be a filmmaker. And it seems like you're just like scared to admit that. And I was like, uh, damn. Thanks for
0: calling me out. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I Yeah, I love when people can just be... Direct like that. And he's like, all, he was like... He had asked me about my favorite films and fi- favorite filmmakers. And he was like, so... Um, what, what, what do all of those filmmakers have in common? And I was like, I don't know. They make scary movies or whatever. Like, just something stupid. And mm-hmm. he was like, they're all self-made writer-directors that came up off of the indie scene. And I was like... So he's like, so you obviously... Understand the path that you want to take um, and that lit a fire under my ass for sure I dropped everything video games I dropped everything else voice acting I I dropped everything and I was like yeah that's the push I needed so I went for it I made Underneath Riverbend and this is what I would really like to talk about and I, I think that this is going to be um, I hope that this helps people who are going through just a creative endeavor um, because it's a difficult and it's a difficult thing to understand and to process throughout the entire journey of something like this. Um, I'm, I know April as well has kind of, her and I have chatted and has, yeah. she's experienced some similar stuff. But my goal with Underneath Riverbend was I wanted to see if we could do it. I just wanted to see if we could get a big team together, get them to the tippy top of Michigan and make a movie. And I wanted to see what I could do as a director. And, um, and, and so we did that um and it was awesome and i learned excuse me i learned so much uh what i learned was i was super insecure uh so insecure about myself as a creative which before you do like get on a, a set at least for me i was like so confident in like yeah i can i got this i got that whatever and then i hit set and i was like <laughs> i'll say i'll i'll say this too like they had to explain to me what blocking was because i just i was so i was so in the sky with all of this right
0: it was all conceptual rather than uh utility yes Uh, yeah
1: a hundred percent and and i was in this mindset of like a writer which is like you know i'm gonna write things that we can do however it's it's not down to the detail of like the day on the day like, how is this going to work? And so it was a a real, you know, amazing reality check of like, Hey, like what, what is blocking to like, I like, cause the whole time I'm trying to be this confident leader of like leading the team. Of like, of course I know what I'm doing. And I, luckily I had some amazing friends who let me be vulnerable and let me be stupid and just like, mm-hmm. um, allow they were there for me to to catch me when i was failing um and so the first as as well as the actors they were just fantastic um and so the first couple days i wasn't even saying action because i i didn't i don't know it felt weird to say it um
0: it's like you had imposter syndrome yeah. Um, almost. Yeah.
1: It it yeah. was a little bit imposter syndrome. It was more so as well. Like I didn't want to step on any toes. Um, like especially because I didn't. I was. I think what I was most afraid of was imposing the way that I work on the way an actor was working and their process, and I was so afraid to do that 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 I just ended up stripping myself of any confidence or any you know directness. Um, and so I would say whenever you're ready instead of action, which in some moments, honestly, I think is not bad. Um, however, there came a day where it was like day three and, and it was an overnight. I think it was our first overnight and there was just so much going on. There was stuff happening on, we were shooting at this river. There was stuff happening on the other end of the river. We didn't have radios. There was stuff on my end of the river and I just, like, a, a switch flicked, and I was just like, okay. And it. that's when I was like, action, this, that, that. And um, that process gave me some confidence, but by the end of the, the filming, I was very much like, I felt like I succeeded, um, it all felt good, and then post started. And post-production has been one hell of a journey. Um, it's This is what I really would like to touch on to... to hopefully have people relate to uh, because it's a scary thing is like we had a plan and then it because of me like went out the door and there was about seven months of just like shame that was building and fear like I would pull up the project and I would I was frozen I could not even drag clips into the timeline because I was so afraid to hear or see what we had done, and simultaneously I had felt fulfilled because what I had set out to do was just see if we could shoot it, not make something that was worthwhile. Um, and so I have I have emerged from that sort of cocoon Wonderful. of fear and shame, but it took a long time, um, and I needed that time to, and I need it as well. And this is what I'll also say, like the support of people around you and that believe in you, that you need that. And the people that I have around, um, constantly like reached out or like just checked in even when I would ghost completely. And, um, they gave me that time and they weren't, Pressuring in a way, like they they were very much like they just understood. And when I was ready, I reached out to them and was like, I need help. I need help with this because this is obviously getting to a point where I want to see this finished. And also, during those seven months, I couldn't write anything. I couldn't make anything. Everything was just like, if I started it, I felt guilty because I wasn't working on Underneath Riverbend, right? So what's nice is that about a, only about a month ago,, um, especially because of this mythica trip, I had just a surge of confidence with everything. just seeing as well how an independent but like professional film is made. Man, it was so it was so much of just like every day of like, "Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can fucking do this, like I can get this done." If I want to, if I want to make a feature by 30, I can do that. Um, and also learning, you know, studying the director of that film, um, Jake, who is just a beautiful human being and like amazing to work with. I learned so much from studying him and looking back, I, I came back and instantly was on it with Underneath Riverbend and my team is now, you know, back in motion, reinvigorated on it. We're finishing it up. Um, hopefully it'll be done by September would love that, and then I would love to just move on. <laughs> like I want to make yeah. it good, but I want to move on.
0: Of course, of course. Um, um, yeah, I'm. I I would love to see it when it's out. So you'll have to let me know. Yeah,
1: absolutely. When it is
0: fully complete. Are you thinking of doing festivals? Or are you just gonna put it up somewhere?
1: So, um, initially for this project, I wanted this to be a practice in private thing, mm-hmm. um, because I think that that. I think more people should do that um, because not everything you create needs to be necessarily shared with the internet. Um, And it also, in my mind, like when I'm, I want to be able to showcase things when I feel like it represents what it is that I want to show. And so we'll see what happens with Underneath Riverbend. It might be a practice and private thing and okay. just showing people around me. However, I took a look at it and there's a lot of mistakes and a lot of things I would do differently. And we're kind of making these corrections and posts and it's, it's exciting. Um, but I think I do owe it to the crew and the cast and everything to at least try to show it at some festivals, maybe some horror festivals, um, and then probably release it and just see – you know, I think it's, it's always good to just get eyes on things. However, you know, it's, I think it's up to the individual whether they're ready to do that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I am uh, making a music video coming in about four weeks. We're shooting it um, with a band called Provider in Chicago. And uh, that will definitely be released by, I think, the end of September. So be on awesome. the lookout for uh, Provider. They're, they're a okay. newer Chicago band. They are awesome. Um, but yeah I think reminiscing on the challenges of creativity and uh, allowing yourself to kind of sit in that weird shameful place I think the, one th- the things that helped me out of that are one the people around me like getting the bravery to ask like for help and then also allowing that time and then not being so hard on yourself is something that's also definitely... That's that's probably the hardest one, um, but... I mean, you're,
0: the saying may be cliche, but it is also true that you're always your worst critic.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Like,
0: people say it all the time, but it is just a true fact of life.
1: Yep, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so what I'm doing is just every... Oh, and that was also during those seven months like of fucking... Just absolute fear. I was hustling, trying to get onto Mythica, um, because I was like, I need to work in fantasy films. How do I get on a fantasy film? And luckily um, enough, you know, Mythica Stormbound had just hit Kickstarter, and I was like, okay, I, I know Mythica. I've seen it. How do I get on? And it was just letters and emails and like persistence, nonstop, just poking people, not worrying about if they, you know, hated me or whatever. Just being like, please, please. Um I need to work yeah, on this film, yeah, and i I think that persistence is almost better than skill, like frankly, because the the more that you are determined like <laughs> it's the classic anime protagonist trope of like or like rocky whatever it is, where it's just like um. It doesn't matter how much you suck or you think you suck, whatever, or it doesn't matter. None of that matters. If you think that you're bad, if you think as long as every day you are pushing and you are going for it and you don't let anybody tell you to give up and you don't tell yourself to give up, you're like, you've got it. You've got it handled. And I think that people should believe that they got it handled if that's their, their attitude.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things they told us when we were leaving acting school, too, was, you know, say there's a thousand people. I mean, there's way more than that. But Mm. this year I graduated in 2019. So in 2019, say a thousand people graduated. In 10 years, there's going to be three of you left who persisted and kept going. And, you know, I quickly realized that when I wasn't concerned about if I was one of those three people, maybe that wasn't the vibe for me anymore. Mm. Um, but it was like I mean that was the whole thing it's like it is like it's not who's the most skill force it's, it's who can wait it out the longest who can keep at it the longest Yeah, will be the ones left standing
1: yeah I think if you just if you get in a mindset of like I know this is what I want to do mm-hmm. and I'm willing and able to accept that I can chase this forever for the rest of my life no matter how broke I get no matter how hard it gets like The pursuit of this thing gives me, you know, the happiness that I need or the, you know, the passion, the ambition, the love of something really can just like. You can lean on that, and yeah, like for and me, and you I,
0: will pick up skills along the way. Yeah, like if you you're gonna start out at whatever ever level you are starting mm-hmm. out, you can't change that. But if you don't actually take the steps to do the things you want to do, you'll never learn how to do those things.
1: One hundred percent. I would also say, and this is gonna be this is gonna be the harsher one, the harsher thing, for the people out there writing, and 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 wanna be filmmakers, right? And I'm no like. I'm just starting my career. Stop. And I'm, a, I'm guilty of this too. <laughs> I'm guilty of it too. Stop talking and start doing. Stop talking. Stop talking about your idea. Stop talking about your script. Is your script written? If it's not written, like, stop talking I want to hear it. about it. Yeah. Write it. <laughs> yeah. Write it. Do it. Yeah. And then, like, then talk about it. Even if it's just the rough draft, like I can't tell you how many people, especially during college, will like would like talk to me and they'd be like, yeah, I've got this really cool idea and this and that. Or (laughs) the classic of like, you know, oh, man, I've got this great idea. And then they tell me like a setting and then and then it's like,
0: what are the themes? What's the plot uh, device of your story? What
1: (laughs) what characters you got? You know, Or, or but they'll tell it to me and then they'll be like, you should write that. And I'm like. You should write that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's not my idea. It's
1: your thing. And I can't wait for you to write it. And like, that's the thing. And that's what I'm also learning as well. I feel like the deeper that I'm getting into the film industry and understanding more, like, love the history of it. Watch movies. But also, like, take pride in your ideas and what you do. Have confidence in your own ideas. And nobody's right nobody's right and as long as you're doing it you're past like 90 percent of people because all those people that are in the film industry truly like they have unfinished scripts they've there they can talk about ideas and but it's i feel like it's the people that are like okay i've got an idea not telling anybody i wrote a script i'm gonna show like my two friends my that give me really harsh critiques now let me write it, it rewrite it rewrite it rewrite it And then, you know what? I think it's pretty good. I want to share it. I'm going to start. How do I make this? And it's just that like nonstop of like, you've got, there's a lot of ways in, but I feel like at least for my journey with what I want to do, which is I want to make my own films feature. I want to be a feature film director. um, It's, it's gotta be you. It's gotta be you making the opportunities for yourself. And that's daunting, but it's also the most exciting thing, the most exciting journey. Um, So stop talking and start doing it. And I can't wait to see whatever people do.
0: Yeah. Do you think or do you find when you are creating that you have specific themes or tropes that you like really enjoy investigating and working on?
1: So, it's different for everything I start. I think that there, um, there was a time where, probably during college and a little bit before, where I would just write because I was like, this idea is cool. And then there was a point where I was, this was during the Underneath Riverbend journey. I, was, I rewrote the script when we were about to start because I felt like, it was just a tonal piece and I wanted there to be like, I wanted to say something. I felt like there wasn't, I didn't feel like I could bring other people to do a project and invest their time without a reason. Like what's the point of doing this film if, if there's no point to it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of twisted in something, especially the little ending um, for that. And then I started only thinking like, what do I want to say? What, and that stunted me completely. Like when I started with theme, I stopped thinking about ideas in terms of like stories. And I started thinking more about like just the things that were, I didn't like or did like and were important to talk about, but they never manifested into story ideas. So I think that the one thing that you should ask is what if dot, dot, dot. What if? And and I think Brandon Sanderson, who's a fantasy writer, talks about this too in some of his classes, where he was I can't remember what which book it was, but um, he was basically like, yeah, this book that was one of his most popular ones started with like, what if there was a fantasy world where people had anime giant swords, and like that's all it was, that's all it started with, and I think that that's totally like that's super valid it's super cool and sometimes that's all you need and i think the more you rewrite something the more you subconsciously put in your themes of whatever is important right now um but i do think there is also time and space to then take a step back during the rewriting process shave off what's unnecessary and go like okay so this is what i'm saying and let me hone in on that
0: Sometimes you need a you need it down on paper to see what mm-hmm. your your brain was actually trying to tell you.
1: Yep. Yeah, one hundred percent. but again, everyone is different in how oh, yeah, they work. Of course, of course. So I uh
0: I don't write with an outline, which is both mm. terrible and also great for me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah so you're a discovery writer?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I've been working on a novel for a few years, and the hardest bits are when I am go, I don't know where this is going anymore mm-hmm. because I didn't write an outline. But if I had written an outline, I wouldn't have been able to write the in-between.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, and for, it, it seems like um, what's standard is like with discovery writers, For like I, I'm a little bit more of an outline writer. And so like with discovery writers, you guys make really good characters because you allow the characters to just yeah. be and do, right? Mm. Outline writers usually have a... Uh, like, the twists and turns are a little bit more plotted because it's outlined. Um, yeah. But I well, think I mean, that, that's helpful,
0: yeah. too, because, like, it's it works for the novel that I'm writing because mm. it's not plot-based. It is... Um, it's completely character driven and it's kind of like a day in the life type of story. Mm. So it's fine that um, sorry, my hard drive is freaking out and making oh, yeah. some weird noises um, it's so it works that way and it is character driven, but I struggle because I don't outline when I do create some sort of plot story and then I get to a point where I'm like, I don't have anywhere to take this now.
1: Yeah, and so does that good and bad? Does that? sit for a while like do you allow that to sit or is it like I have to push through this or else it's just oh gonna... no
0: no it, it's immediate I'm done we're not gonna yeah. look at this right now it's immediately ending any creative flow I had I don't even like sit with it I just cut it off which you know that's frustration overpowering anything else yeah um but I've tried to do outlines and it's like it's worse than sitting in the not
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. You can have yeah. a healthy mix too. Like I definitely yeah try it. yeah. Especially on rewrite, you gotta send me your novel though.
0: I I will. I it's like a three parter, not not as in like three books, but like three parts of a book. And yeah. I finished the first part, so yeah. that's
1: yeah. Let me read it.
0: Um, For we'll sure. See.
1: <laughs> whenever you're ready, whenever you feel ready, I'll, I'll be waiting in the wings to read it. And if you okay. want notes or whatever, or you just want some yeah. eyes on it, let me know.
0: Honestly, I do need, sometimes that is the hardest part is like getting the notes before you actually send it out because Mm. I know some publishing friends who are like, yeah, like let me see. And I was like, I don't know if I should show it to you yet though. (laughs) (laughs) You're like actually a person that could make this happen.
1: (laughs) That's the practice in private thing. I know. know? I know. Whenever you're ready to do it.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, if you don't mind me taking a little bit of a turn sure um away from filmmaking um since this is a ttrpg podcast yeah um i would love to know a little bit more about your history with that and um how you got into playing ttrpgs
1: yeah my dad was the one who initially introduced me uh he played your
0: father to thank for all of your passion for literally
1: my life yeah (laughs) no he is the greatest person ever i love my dad um But, uh, yeah, I mean, I call him every day. Um, So, how old was I? I was probably like seven, maybe. Maybe even a little bit younger. And my dad used to play in the 80s. However, he was one of the guys that, like, he didn't outwardly be like, I'm a Dungeons & Dragons player. He was like, I've got a couple of friends, and we all think this is cool. So, let's do it in our basement and not tell anybody. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) Okay, okay. But I have... I have like some of his old maps and like they're all in this beautiful grid system and colored so like gorgeously. I compare them to my maps and my maps are just like, oh God, they're so bad. Um, it
0: goes back to your not having any drawing skills. No, literally. <laughs> I don't
1: know, man. I got to improve on my illustrations. But, um, so he he ran a little game for my sister and I when I was younger and and it, we we did it on first edition, so it was like a class was like elf, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, and I think I was a dwarf named Dwarful. Uh, Love it. was it. a rogue, and I believe I have a drawing of it somewhere, which is also still, it looks the exact same of how I draw now. Um, and yeah, so that was my first introduction to it. And then I didn't play for about 10 years. Um, it just like not for any reason other than like i just didn't even remember really D, &D. Mm -hmm. and then and then i was like oh man like i remembered like i remembered it all of a sudden i was and i found all this old stuff and i found some of our you know papers from the first game that we played and i was like this could be really fun like with some of the friends that i have now and all of the friends i had except for one was like that is so weird no i'm not doing that like get out of my face with that like and i was just like oh, okay no. i guess we won't play D." but i had one friend he's one of my best friends ever his name's alec um he was like uh he was like no that's super rad let's go find a gaming store and go see if they have groups and i was like okay let's go so we went to a gaming store i think i was 17 maybe um went to a gaming store and we've we you know went up to the guy at the counter and he was like have you guys played before and we were like kind of sorta we don't exactly know all the details and he ran us through this little intro uh, sequence about like a goblin that had stolen some money and we had to go you know hunt it down i've i've used that intro for everyone else that i've introduced wow. to dnd because i thought it was so perfect um, you're just walking in the woods and there's a goblin that had stolen some stuff from a town nearby and then you see the goblin and then he said, what do you do? And like, when you're presented with that, when you haven't really played, you're just like, I can do anything? Like, and yeah. it's the coolest thing. So, we ended up getting in with a group on like Tuesdays or Thursdays or something like that and it was 18 people. Holy So shit. like, you got one turn per session and we were like, yeah. this is kind of lame. Like, um, it's cool, but it's like, why, why does this take so long? 18 people. Yeah. Um, and so the the dungeon master, who was just a fantastic dungeon master, he had committed his life to D&D. Um, he gathered like seven or eight of us, and then we started doing sessions at his home. And we did that for about two years, I believe. We did Storm King's Thunder, or is that what it's mm-hmm. called?
0: I think that's what yeah. it's called, yeah.
1: And... Um, and I was probably horrible to play with. Like thinking back, I had a character who was a pacifist and he was a druid named, uh, Finn Wolfmonger. And I was just like burning everything. Like I was just poking things with a stick and I'm sure that it was so annoying. (laughs) Um, so, but we, we did the whole campaign and it was amazing. And then, you know, critical role was on the rise and, um, I had watched, uh, Shoot. What's the other one? Uh, not to mention 20. I watched a little bit of that, but it was... Uh, oh, Acquisition Incorporated. Oh, yeah. Um, And that also just... All those shows got me so stoked on it. And I was... Then I started DMing for another group. And, you know, now I've got a, a group that we play every week. You know, we've been doing it for four or five years now. Are you playing um, 5E? Yeah, we're playing 5E. Okay. Although you know, with everything that has happened. Yeah. We're, we're considering other systems. <laughs> yeah, well, about I
0: just, I, I'm beta testing one right now that's in early development stages that seems to be honestly, like, along the same veins mm. as, as d and um, I think, I believe it's called Mythic Quest. Okay. No, that's a TV show. This one is called... <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. I can find it. I can find it very swiftly as long as Discord loads.
1: I'm trying to think of, like, other... I am interested in uh, Candela Obscura.
0: Oh That's my right. goodness, it looks so cool. It looks
1: really cool. And I love that they put out the starter Mythcraft. guide for free. Sorry, Mythcraft, Mythcraft
0: everybody, Mythcraft. Um, I backed it on Kickstarter, I think it was. Um, and so I just got like the first beta test, f- oh, yeah. uh, playtest test stuff. Um...
1: As long oh, as I yeah, can just, I, cool. what I don't want to switch to is a D6 system necessarily. Okay. Um, I do like D6 systems, but in terms of like the, you know, I think it's the conversion of what... We're trying to find a um, a system that can convert our current campaign, you know understand, what I mean? Yeah,
0: I understand. And honestly, I think Pathfinder
1: probably would be your best bet. I know, but there's so much inventory management and I don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, I
0: know, I know. <laughs> That's where like I'm hitting that issue right now is I would love to start... I mean, I also want to play things that are not D&D. Like, I want to play all of these indie games and Hmm. a bunch of other types of games and stuff. But everybody knows D&D 5e at this point. Yeah. Where, like, that's what everybody's most comfortable with. So, like, I thought about changing my home game to a different system. But, like, they all know 5e and they don't really want to change. And even though, like, I hate what's happening... I got to play the system that people want to play if I yeah. want to play. You know, it's kind of a
1: it, it, rock and a hard place. We are, I think we're just waiting for something that can still be a D20 system that allows for us to, like, just still just it, role play is the focus. It can yeah. still just be epic fantasy. And the one thing I think that could definitely be improved upon for D&D is... Let's just speed up the combat and make it a little bit more intense. Yeah. Like,
0: I don't know if Mythcraft does it. I haven't actually played it. And reading through the rules, there seems it still seems to be as crunchy as D&D is. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if that would be the go-to. But it definitely seems to be something where, like, if you wanted to change your 5e game over, it wouldn't take a lot, but maybe just, like, a little homebrew shifting yeah. um, as you went. So yeah. whenever so that comes out, that'll we're, be
1: fun. we're in an exciting time, though, where, like, there are a ton of systems coming yeah. out. So, yeah, yeah play all of them honestly like i can't wait to just like dive into more and more especially i'm excited to uh had keep going with the uh wander home and like mm-hmm. hearing about like how how that experience was for y'all uh yeah it's
0: fun i mean we did we didn't do the thing that wander home is known for which is no dice but uh, um the, our cast our cast wanted to roll dice so they made up their own um system to do so it is a D6 so cool, system though. but yeah they made up their own uh little role uh, traits and things like that.
1: And and that's kind of also what it boils down to a little bit is like that is really cool that there are no dice systems but also like i have spent so much money on dice <laughs> i've like, <I have> spent <laughs> yes. so much money on dice that i am not i am going to be using dice
0: <laughs> i have a do you know those oktoberfest mugs that are yes. like the massive yeah yeah yeah. so like i have steins. two of those yeah the steins thank you i have two of those and i put all of the dice that i have and it all fit into one yeah it was it sounds like that's a problem yep, yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i know i keep a i have a pirate chest. And I keep them all in this, like, overflowing pirate chest so that when I open it up, it's like I just (laughs) dug up the X X on the map. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, man, I've I've invested in too many cool and expensive D20s to not use my D20s.
0: (laughs) I understand. Yeah,
1: yeah. However, Um. I loved, loved Monster Hearts. And I would play that system... At any point, I would play it, especially.
0: <clears throat> oh, we're coming I, back to this. Huh? Yeah, yeah,
1: what do you mean? I definitely well, play it again with the same people. This is why I told I
0: April. It. This is why I told April. Since we don't have, since it's not feasible right now to do a full season, right, 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 I was right. brainstorming things about maybe doing like a holiday special.
1: Oh yeah 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 yeah.
0: yeah. So. I'm going to chat with Ash and we'll see if we can somehow fit that in between our uh, season two recordings and season three development. We'll see if we hey, can fit in. I'm
1: available.
0: <laughs> <laughs> good to know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I yeah, But am- I also
0: adore that system and I loved what we built. Mm-hmm. And like I w- want to play in Wildmore again. And hey, me too. I don't know. I just had such a good time. I think what I think you mentioned it in one of the after shows we had to, but though maybe maybe you can do this with any game, but d and d doesn't necessarily lend itself to this, but the communal world building, like mm-hmm. the fact that we got to sit down with one another and while I had like a basis of an idea that I gave to you guys, we created locations together, we created uh characters to, to populate the town together, we created the tone of the show together, um and I think that just was super important to like have all of us be a lot more immersed than we are when you sit at a table and a DM is telling you what is happening.
1: Definitely. And and I think I'd mentioned it as well. Like it it was like a, a bit of a shift for me at first mm-hmm. when we because I didn't again it went back to like I didn't want to step on anyone toes anyone's toes, especially your your like world building or anything. And that's what by the end of the season I came to really love is like you can just do anything or say anything happens and we all will pivot and roll with it and i think you know yeah you mads and april i was constantly taking notes and leads from because the way i think the style of how april mads and i all went about especially describing things was very different and Mm -hmm. like for me I was, I'm not really as much of uh, someone who wants to describe necessarily what, like for Sawyer, like what Sawyer is feeling, or um, I don't want to describe the emotions as much as I want to describe the actions, and then hopefully the, the emotions that he's feeling come across in what he's doing, and that was the way that I approached it. But then I loved listening to Mads and then you get like a whole inner dialogue yeah. <laughs> of, like, of like exactly why and what, you know, the reasonings are. And I, I loved that too. So I, I'm, I would be ex- interested and excited to explore those storytelling processes, yeah. especially in a, a you know, one shots, that's and like a holiday yeah, special. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm, trying, then, like, man, I'm
0: trying, man, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, you know, we've chatted for a bit of time here and I really appreciate your, you know, opening up and being vulnerable about your creative process and making, in um, the filmmaking that you've been working on doing. So thank you so much for uh, chatting about that. Heck yeah. Uh, uh, before you go, I have one last question. Um, I would love to close this out with like, a fun moment at a table you have played at just like something you remember anything it can be something you look back fondly something that was crazy something that was really sad it could be anything just something that you that kind of sits in the forefront of your mind oh man um i know it's a big question i've
1: definitely cried at my tables before uh, I've cried at your table multiple times. <laughs> yes. defi- this campaign was the most I have cried at a table. Um, oh Man, I think I'll talk about, I won't talk about a sad one because there's fine. just a bunch of them and yeah. I've, there's definitely some like very talk emotional moments. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think the first time I felt like the epicness of what TTRPGs can bring you was it was in my first campaign with the the guy that like we had d- doing Storm King's Thunder. And we were on this airship and we were fighting storm giants and we were getting our asses handed to us. Um, and m- my character being a pacifist was not helping. <laughs> it was not helping. And so it was so selfish, but I jumped off of the airship and... And we were like, close. we were in the stratosphere, right? So I, for the whole session was this constant combat and every round that went by, my DM was like, and you are falling. And, it, and I'm just like speeding down like a bullet. And then all of a sudden a storm giant, I'm realizing is chasing me down, like full on like pencil mode, just like cutting through the clouds. And I start asking these questions about like what I'm seeing down below me on the ground. And he's like, oh, it's a swamp. You know, there's this and that and brush everywhere. I start looking at my spells and I'm not telling him really anything that I'm trying to do because we're all fairly certain I'm about to die just by plummeting yeah. to my death or a storm giant kills me. And and so I ask him, like, are there trees? He's like, yeah, there are trees. So, you know, there, I'm like, how many trees? He's like, there's a couple. And then, like, in the distance, there's a lot more on the edges of the swamp. And I'm like, how far apart? And he gave me the specific feat. And I look at this spell and I was like, thank you. And like seven more rounds go by. And I, at the last second before hitting the ground, like turn into a giant eagle. Cause I had one wild shape left. I look like flourish my wings upwards and I catch myself right before hitting the ground. The storm giant then is like one more turn away from me and about to smash down atop of me. But I landed right next to a tree and I... Changed back and I used, I believe it's called tree stride. And mm-hmm. I touched a tree and then teleported to another tree like 500 feet away. The storm giant hit the ground and I was nowhere to be seen. And I had plummeted from the stratosphere to the ground safely, like completely evaded the enemy. And as, as much as it was a shitty thing to, to you know, get, you know, <laughs> do you <get> the party, <laughs> abandon the party. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a moment that I'll always think back on of like, I can I can do anything that I can creatively come up with. I can escape in a creative way as long as you know uh, now I'm not a dick about it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's one of the that's one of the epic first moments I had as a as a TTRPG player. Wow.
0: And that's like using mechanics to advantage mm-hmm. at that point. That's pretty dope. Well, thank you again so much for chatting with me today. It was lovely to see you again after these many months. Um, And for everybody watching and listening, until next time. We hope you guys are enjoying these little interviews we've been doing. In upcoming episodes, you'll be able to hear more about our cast, who are creatives in their own right, as well as some other creators within the TTRPG space. If you want to see the video versions of these interviews or get early access to them, you can check out our Queerio tier on Patreon.com QueerPG. You can follow QueerPG on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at QueerPGPod. And we are now on Blue Sky. You can find us there at QueerPG.BSky.social. QueerPG is made possible by all of you who listen and share the show. So if you like what you hear, please rate and review. It helps other people find the podcast. You can also support the show by signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com queerpg. If you're interested in seeing transcripts for the episodes, all of those from previous episodes and episodes to come can be found on our website, queerpg.com. Until next time.